This podcast is sponsored by the American Society for Information Science and Technology. Since 1937, ACIST has been the Society for Information Professionals, leading the search for new and better theories, techniques, and technologies to improve access to information. By the IA Summit. This year, your peers and industry experts spoke about how topics such as social networking, gaming, patterns, tagging, taxonomies, and a wide range of IA tools and techniques help users experience information. And by Boxes and Arrows. Since 2001, Boxes and Arrows has been a peer-written journal promoting contributors who want to provoke thinking, push limits, and teach a few things along the way. For more events happening all over the world, be sure and check out events.boxesandarrows.com. In this session, Lucas Petinati, Senior Interaction Designer at Yahoo, draws from his personal experiences in redesigning the Yahoo registration and account recovery systems. This session covers several topics, including making registration painless for your customers, encouraging accurate and truthful data entry, maintaining up-to-date account information, and keeping the bad guys out, but allowing for password recovery. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. So um, I'm Lucas. I'm an Interaction Designer at Yahoo. And... Uh, in uh, late 2006, we started a project to redesign uh, Yahoo registration. And uh, that was a pretty drawn out process. Uh, we looked at a number of uh, uh, registration forms out there, collaborated with uh, Lou Krabuski, and um, came up with you know, a redesigned uh, registration process that we felt addressed uh, our users' needs um, much, much better. So I'm going to talk to you today about that experience, um, what, what it was like, uh, and I'm going to divide it into three parts. Uh, the first part uh, being just what's the reality of what's out there, you know, the, the people that use our products, uh, how they think. Uh, second part, uh, just about, you know, what were some best practices that got applied to uh, registration design. And lastly, you know, bringing it all together, you know, what happens if uh, you need to do account recovery and uh, help people remember uh, forgotten credentials. So I'm going to start with a quote from Edward Tufte. Um, there are only two industries that refer to their customers as users. And if you're not clear what the second industry is, this message that's out in uh, one of the message boards uh, should kind of help explain it. Uh, so you know, we, we kind of have this bad reputation, right? We talk about users when in reality they're people. And you know, there have been articles that, that have been written about, you know, should the username you know, live forever or should we start calling them people or customers? And I think there's a big divide there and I'm not gonna you know, even attempt to address that. But what I do wanna bring out is just some of the things that you, know, you can look at yourself and kind of reflect and say, yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of the way it is. The first is that you know, we like instant gratification. You know, we, we wanna have things and we wanna have them now. Sometimes it's a little convoluted, you know, like a mirror would probably do a lot better uh, than, uh, you know, having a Polaroid picture of yourself taken to check out your looks. Erin likes it, she's a Polaroid uh, person. Um, and so, you know, the idea that we want something, we want it now, and we don't really want things to get in our way, that's just something, you know, that I think we can all relate to. You know, how many times have you been to a website and, you know, you're asked to fill out a lot of information when in reality, all you wanted to do is say that you liked the movie. You know, nobody needs to know your address or your zip code for that necessarily. Second is that you know, low switching cost. You know, there are a lot of providers of information out there. 
You know, this is a, a image I found on Flickr that just shows some of the Web 2.0 companies out there. And you can see that there's a lot of you know, repetition. There's a lot of blog companies, there's a lot of mail companies, there's a lot of tagging companies. And you know, for you to switch providers is fairly low cost. If the provider doesn't meet your needs or their server goes down and you know, there's something about them you don't like, there's nothing holding you back, especially since a lot of these are free. So you know, since you're not charging, you need to make your services compelling and you need to do that in a user-friendly manner. We tell lies, you know, um, here's Pinocchio, and we, you know, we do it to protect our identities. Um, one of the most common lies, uh, here's an example uh, from an eBay form, is your birthday, you know. Um, and, and the funny thing is, you know, we're trying to, to get this information to help you out eventually. Sometimes it's for legal purposes, like, you know, eBay here is saying you need to be 18 years old in order to use eBay. Um, you know, I worked on Yahoo Personals for several years, and we have the same restriction. And undoubtedly, what ends up happening if you look at, you know, your server logs, is you'll find out that a lot of people are born January 1st, because that's the easiest thing for them to select. You know, why do they need to tell you when they were born? You know, that, that doesn't matter. So we tell these little white lies. Another kind of white lie, uh, this is the old uh, Yahoo registration form. And we had this section labeled customizing Yahoo, in which you had to choose a, your industry, your title, and you would be amazed at the number of CEOs that use Yahoo. So here's a quote from Doom, I must not fear, fear is the mind killer, but you know, fear is actually another reason of the way we act, the way we do. Last year, uh, 3.6 million people in the US uh, lost a combined $3.2 billion and it was all because of identity theft. And I wasn't immune from it either. Um, here's a letter I got from, uh, uh, I think it was Ameritrade. Uh, kind of projected up a little. Um, and you know, we've all gotten these letters. You know, there's, there's been a breach of security, somebody has inserted code into our system, and your email address has been compromised, or your social security numbers have been compromised. And we get these, these messages, and you know, what do we do with them? You know, some of us panic, some of us go and change all of our passwords, which means that passwords are becoming more and more difficult to remember. You know, there's a company out there, uh, passwordorganizer.com, they sell a little booklet, you know, that you can go and write your account details for every single service that you have. Um, plenty of people in the design realm like the Moleskine, um, you know, binders, and, and, uh, and they end up using a Moleskine for that. My father-in-law uh, goes a step further, and instead of writing his username and password, he writes hints to his username and hints to his password, so that in case that book is lost, then you're just left with a bunch of hints. And so you start to see that you know, there's this cycle of you know, we're being told passwords are easy to crack, um, you know, beware you know, how you use sites, there's phishing attacks, hackers are everywhere. And it's not surprising that some people you know, resort to automatic password generators that you know, spit out passwords that are just so easy to remember. So, you know, there's another Edward Tufte quote that bears mind, the most common user activity on the web is to flee as quickly as possible. Because we come in, we do what we want, and we get out. You know, we, we don't want to, to have all this tra uh, tracing of information come back to us. You know, we, we want to retain privacy, and we want to do that we want to do those things that are going to help us succeed in life. 
So my take on all of this is, c'est la vie. You know, that's just the way it is. And we need to embrace you know, these, these needs. We need to embrace these constraints and design toward them, not away from them. All right, so that was five minutes of just quickly what the mindset is. So I'm going to talk about just how we can improve the essence of, uh, of registration. So there, there's essentially three places that registration tends to happen. Right? You have registration before you do something, and this is really common when you need uh, a unique identifier, like an email uh, program or, or a bank. You, know, you need to you know, become part of the system, and then you, you use it. Uh, there's a post uh, kind of model uh, where you, know, you use the system, and then as, uh, after you're done doing the main activity, you register. Great example is e-commerce. Uh, here's everyone's favorite airline of the week, American, um, you know, showing how you have the ability to book your flight and at the end create your account. Uh, or for us uh, photography junkies, uh, Adorama or B&H that have the ability of you know, build out your shopping cart and when you go to purchase, you create uh, your, your account. But then there's this third kind of registration process, this immersive kind of registration, where registration is part of the way you use the product. Uh, this is an example uh, from genie.com, um, and I have some screenshots of you know, how I created uh, my family tree out of this. You see that instead of you know, a long form with you know, fields everywhere asking me for my name, my birthday, and all these things, all, all things that you would think you know, are, are necessary to create a family tree, it's really simple, right? It shows you a representation of that family tree and you know, what's your name and what's your email and your gender. And, and after you do that, you're registered. But you know, the cool thing is it's really easy to grow your family tree. Um, you know, our tree has uh, 337 people, and it grew very organically because of how simple it was. Because as you, f you, know, as you start to fill out uh, the, you know, the form about someone else, you know, an email gets sent out if you fill out the, uh, the email field, and, um, and th their registration is already mostly filled out. They just have to you know, make some modifications if you they don't want their baby nickname uh, made public or anything. Uh, they don't have to do that. So one of the things that we found most useful at Yahoo uh, when we redesigned the, uh, the registration form was connecting with the user and, and doing that in a way that they felt like you weren't just asking for you know, name, rank, serial number. The old form uh, that's uh, on the left you can see how it's just very you know, sparse. There's like no personality to it, right? It's just, you know, here's a bunch of fields. Please fill these out, you know, tell me what you want. And um, you know, it just felt very mechanical. On the right, you, know, you can see how you know, this feels a lot friendlier. And you know, there's a lot of visual design that goes into it. But you know, if, you, if you take a closer look, you know, how did we do it? Well, you know, first, you know, hi there, right? We introduce ourselves because you know, we want to be personable. You know, we want you to feel like you know, there's going to be this relationship between you and the company. And, and that helps out a lot because we're going to be asking you know, personal information. And if you build that trust, if you build that relationship, then you have a much higher chance of having you know, factual data come in. So 
you know, on that factual data, right, so that not everybody does January 1st as their birthday, uh, one of the things that we put in was a little helper text uh, that would come up as you filled out the form, kind of explaining what is the value of this field? You know, why are we asking this? And that really helps out when you might think that a question is out of context, right? Why, why do they need my birthday? I just want to send email. Why do they need my gender? And, you know, people aren't stupid. They know that at the end of the day, we want to, you know, customize advertising to them or, you know, if it's a social networking site uh, so that, you know, you can find people that are like you or people that are different from you. Um, but being able to do this, you know, explaining the value really gets to, to the heart of, you know, addressing concerns. You know, why, why are you doing this? So we also introduced humor. Um, and, you know, that's really conducive to the Yahoo brand. Uh, it might not be, you know, a great choice if, you know, you're a financial services company. Um, but, you know, the way we did it was with our error messages. So if you filled in that your date was in the future, you know, instead of just giving you some boring old generic message, you know, we're like, are you really from the future? Um, if, uh, if you also said that you were, you know, 300 years old, I think the message read, you know, for ages one, uh, zero to 150 or something like that. Uh, so, you know, and we did this everywhere. I think the, the helper text for first and last name was, uh, remember, this is what your mother calls you. Um, you know, th things like that. Just to be funny, you know, build that trust. And, and that kind of helps, you know, e ease people into a network uh, like Yahoo. Now, Yahoo, you know, since we provide uh, email addresses, we need a unique identifier. Um, and, you know, everybody that has an email address, you know, that's unique, that just goes to you. Um, and in our studies, we found that this was the part that people had the most amount of problems. And, you know, everybody has, well, I shouldn't say everybody, one person already has Bob at Yahoo.com. If your name is Bob and you want that email address, well, you know, tough luck, you're going to need Bob too. Or Bob loves kittens 2007. Uh, or any other thing that might convey your personality uh, or, or be something that, you know, you're happy with. So what we did here was, um, you know, when you um, put focus onto the, the field to type what address you wanted, uh, we used your first and last name, and we looked up in our database what permutations of this are available right now. And we had a rank order uh, based on some research of what would be most likely uh, for you to want. And uh, put those in here. And you could just click. If uh, none of these uh, were to your fancy, uh, like you know, if I wanted designdude at yahoo.com, uh, then as soon as you start typing, then we retracted the, uh, the suggestions and gave you, you know, some help about you know, what an ID is made of and how many you know, letters or numbers and dots uh, you're allowed to have. Again, you can see the pairing of, you know, information to help you fill out the field and, uh, you know, justification of why it is that we're asking. So more so than connecting with users, I think one of the biggest things you can do is simplify your forms and only ask what's absolutely necessary. Um, Mint, great site. Um, I only found out about it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, ever since I found out about it, I fell in love with it. Um, I, I've been managing my money in a way that I've never done before. And this, this process, you know, seemed really, really simple, right? I mean, they're going to get a lot of information as you start using the product. 
but to start out, to let you into the doors, I mean, providing an email address, uh, zip code, password, I mean, th those are all very sane things to want to provide. Land's End goes a step further. Um, you know, they, they do the post kind of uh, registration scheme. So when you fill out, you know, your shopping cart, you're, you're going to sign out. Um, you have the option, you know, to sign in or uh, create your account. And it's just three fields. I mean, if you combine password as just one entity, right, you just have two fields. Um, your email address. Oh, okay. Uh, your email address and, uh, and a password. And that just simplifies the, the whole interaction. I mean, after you, you know, create your account, you're going to provide your billing information. You're going to provide your shipping information. There's no need to, to burden your users up front uh, in collecting that sort of information. So, you know, Yahoo uses unique IDs, and there's plenty of other companies that do too, but you can see a pattern, right? Uh, communication, you know, whether it's an instant messaging client, uh, whether it's email, uh, you know, that, that's the point where you need that unique identifier. Um, banking and finance, you know, they, they often have a unique identifier because of security reasons. Uh, it could be very simple for someone to get access to your email address and then just try to break in. Uh, sometimes you, you might see a, a tertiary kind of uh, identifier, like a social security number uh, or a customer ID number, but it's usually something that you know and you hold pretty private. And a place where unique IDs don't make sense is when you're doing commerce, because, you know, why, why should you, you know, burden one of your customers with having to go through that repetitive process of trying many different IDs and only making their password book, you know, thicker and thicker? You know, Land's End, Amazon, uh, Gap, they don't ask for unique IDs uh, because, you know, they don't want to have to manage all that. Now, the thing to remember is if you're not going to uh, use a unique ID, you need to think about, you know, some, some things in the future, like email addresses could change. PayPal does an amazing job at you know, having a, a set of email addresses that you've used, and you can sign in with any of them. So if you change jobs and you had you know, your work email as your, as your PayPal login, um, which you should never do, separate work from pleasure, um, then, then you have the ability to sign in. You have the ability to say, oh, you know what? I used to be a Hotmail customer, now a Yahoo Mail customer. Let me see if the Hotmail address works. So, you know, again, the, the idea that if you're going to use a unique identifier, make it easy for users. You know, here's the Yahoo example of how we provide, uh, you know, ID suggestions up front. Um, should note that eBay, that also uh, provides IDs, they, they do an equally good job. Uh, Google, same thing. You know, just the idea that you're going to help your customers uh, is very much appreciated. One thing that we did here um, was, you know, we, we tried to build some smart interaction uh, into that field so that if you typed uh, something that, you know, wasn't on the list or maybe even if it were on the list, um, based on, you know, some pause or if you really wanted to click that check button uh, or if you just focused out uh, of the field, we would run the check and immediately tell you if that ID was available. And one of the things that, you know, that in and of itself did was reduce our error rates, you know, drastically. Um, it used to be that, you know, I think, I think our error rate on getting an ID was something like three or four attempts uh, before somebody could do it. We, we saw in a lab study 
Um, I think it took someone 12 attempts to get the idea that they wanted, and finally they just said, all right, whatever, I'll just put random numbers at the end. Um, and you know, now we're down to 70% you know, of uh, form submissions don't contain any errors because we're handling this up front. So I really recommend that if you are doing registration, um, use email and make sure that you, know, you allow for email addresses to change. Um, or use some other uh, mechanism. OpenID is an amazing way to, to you know, have a, uh, a uniquely identifiable string attached to someone. Um, Yahoo and, uh, and AOL are both providers of uh, OpenID. Uh, so you know, if you use OpenID, I think you have access to something on the order of close to 400 million uh, unique IDs that have already been provisioned. So those. 400 million customers or users that can just log into your site and not have to worry about anything. Uh, and there's uh, Microsoft's offering of uh, Windows Live ID. So same kind of concept. Uh, this is you know, specific to people that have a Hotmail address or use MSN products. So the other thing to note, I mean, we live in a very global kind of economy. Uh, and in the process of registration, uh, you know, you need to respect uh, the fact that people come from different places. Uh, this is an example of the Yahoo registration form for the United States, but this is what a user that's trying to register for Yahoo in Brazil would see. There'd be a little message uh, up on top, and my Brazilian friends can vouch for my spelling maybe, uh, you know, try in Portuguese, letting you know that there is a Brazilian version available. And you know what are the benefits, right? Pages will be in Portuguese. Um, you'll have quick access to local information, and uh, you'll have a local uh, email address. All of those things kind of help set the stage of okay, yeah, I did go to Yahoo US to register because .com was very easy for me to type. Maybe I didn't know about you know .com.br. Maybe you know I really want that, and this gives you that one-click access uh, to that information. So it actually serves two purposes. It, it fulfills the user need of you know, having information that they understand, uh, but also fulfills the business need in our case that you know, we're targeting people on a much uh, closer level to where they are. Everybody's favorite, CAPTCHA. CAPTCHA is one of those necessary evils uh, for, for some pages. Um, Completely automated public Turing test to tell computers and humans apart. You can tell that this was created in a university. Um, CAPTCHA is this idea that you know, we munged letters and numbers together, and uh, sometimes we even add you know, little artifacts uh, or a grid. And, uh, and the idea here is humans can read this. Yeah, right. And, um, and computers can't. Well, you know, here's another one of those realities. Uh, there are um, hacking communities all over the world uh, that you know, outsource CAPTCHA reading to third world countries. So there are people that literally sit in cubicles and they see images like these and they just type out what it says. And they get paid by the number of images that they decode. And so you know, it doesn't matter if you have you know, an OCR program that's trying to, to find out what do these letters and numbers mean or if you have you know, people that are trying to, to do this you know, very human kind of pattern recognition, people are trying to break in. 
and these are getting harder and harder so that you know your safety uh, is kept at bay. Now, there are some really obvious problems. The visually impaired can't do this. So you start to notice that there's a lot of sites that are now offering audio CAPTCHA. Um, the other thing to think about is, um, you know, language. Uh, a lot of these, you know, Roman uh, letters and Arabic numerals could be equally foreign to someone in China as Chinese characters are to most people in this room. So the idea that, you know, I come to a page, I don't use your alphabet, and you show me this image, and now I have to hunt on my keyboard, like that very first time that you use the computer, you know, where are all these letters, and trying to decode some mangled thing into a, a better representation could be extremely difficult. Now, there's some interesting pictorial CAPTCHA options out there. Um, I think there's a hot or not CAPTCHA uh, that they show you beautiful people and not so beautiful people, and you have to click on the beautiful ones. Um, very subjective, uh, but there's also, you know, choose the kittens among the dogs and, you know, things like that, same concept. But, you know, you also have problems about um, uh, colorblindness, like me. You know, I'm, I'm red-green colorblind, and some of these, especially, you know, these, uh, if you have more than one color, if you have gradations, sometimes you'll see two images that are overlaid, one on top of the other. That's next to impossible uh, for me to read. So the option to request a different image, you know, without having to get the error uh, is something that's very important to do. And you, and you really want to only use CAPTCHA if you're protecting a commodity, right? So there are a finite number of good usernames, you know, for, for things like email providers. And if, uh, if I go and I get, you know, all of the good first names out there and uh, send out emails at random to people saying, hey, I, I have Bob at Yahoo.com. Would you like to buy it for $1,000? You know, that happens. So we want to be able to make sure that everybody has an equal opportunity, and um, you know, CAPTCHA is a good way to prevent automated registrations. So the last part here, uh, dealing with forgotten credentials. The circle of life, you know, as you register, you use, and you forget. And millions of people forget their account information every day. Or do they? Right? You could have a hacker uh, or a fisher or you know, any one of these malicious uh, uh, personalities trying to break into your account, change your account information, and from one day to the other, you know, what used to work doesn't work anymore, and you're left there saying, huh? You know? and, and that's bad on a couple of levels. You, know, you, you have a very frustrated customer. Uh, they're coming into your site, and they're either thinking one of two things. Either I've been hacked, right? They're going to fear that, or they're going to think that your service is really unreliable. So again, you need to, you know, be cognizant of that and uh, try to address their concerns through design. So there's uh, three explorations that we did on uh, on account recovery. There's the email route. You know, almost every site out there today does the email version. Um, it's very very easy. But it assumes that you know, the person at the end of the line has control over their email. So you know, if, you're, if you're trying to uh, recover your, your PayPal account, uh, but your Hotmail account has been compromised, and I now, you know, me the hacker, holds control, I can 
do whatever I want. There's a challenge response kind of model. It's a little more secure, uh, but it's prone to repeated errors. And it's prone to repeated errors because we lie. And so you know, you'd be amazed at the number of people that you know, lie about their birthday, and when they're asked, oh, what's your birthday? You know, they enter their correct birthday and say, well, how come Yahoo doesn't know that this is really my birthday? Well, because you didn't tell us that. Um, now, so it'll work best when the information is up to date. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But keep in mind that predefined questions, um, you know, that it's often the way th these things are done, right? You know, what's my father's middle name? Or, you know, what street did you live on? Uh, all of those things, they have oftentimes very easy to guess answers. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that I did uh, when we were redesigning account recovery was I wrote down all of the options uh, that we offered for account recovery and uh, did some research on how easy would it be to, to crack it. And, um, you know, father's middle name or father's first name, you can easily look at census data and, you know, there's like three or four names that have the lion's share of, of existence. Um, guess what? Second Street is the most common street in America. That could be an answer. Now, all of, all of these things are very easy to guess because there's a finite number of answers. So a lot of people, they end up typing gibberish because they want to protect their identity. Even, you know, if they forget, well, it's low switching costs. I'll just create another account. Now, the problem with uh, doing this as a custom question, right? You tell us what the question is and you tell us what the answer is, is people write, the answer is dog cookies. And then, you know, you forget your password and question, the answer is dog cookies. Answer, dog cookies. So you know, you're just making it much easier for someone to break into your account. The third kind is this forensic kind of model where we analyze the contents of your account, ask you questions on you know, what's in here. Now this is something that if you've ever uh, lost a credit card or suspected that you know, somebody's uh, been using your card, you've been through this, right? You call up you know, Citibank in my case and I say, you know, how come I, my credit was declined? I, okay, can you tell us the last three transactions that you made? Or they'll say, uh, I have a transaction for you know, $37.12 uh, at a restaurant. Can you tell me the restaurant? So those are things that you know, are very forensic in nature. We tested, um, you know, we showed you some, uh, I think it was some uh, uh, subject lines from emails. They said, who sent you these email messages? And, uh, and that seemed like, you know, okay, you know, that's forensic in nature people freaked out because now all of a sudden they realized, oh my God, the computer has the ability to tell what my email messages were. So, you know, there's a sense of privacy that was lost. Um, incidentally, when we tested, you know, here's a bunch of photos, uh, choose the three pictures that you took and posted on Flickr, um, they were fine with that because that's much more like public. There's that perception of what's mine versus what's everyone. So when you do email recovery, um, one of the things to keep in mind is make sure the user's in control. And this is actually something that you should keep in mind uh, regardless of recovery method. Uh, this is an example from Safeway, and they ask, you know, enter your email. Uh, now, visual design issues aside, uh, you know, this is uh, the best way to, to make sure you're in control. Um, because we're asking, you know, what is the email address? If, if uh, your product uses a, a unique ID, 
uh, you know, definitely ask for that unique ID to find out who your, who your uh, customer is, but also ask the email address. I'll show you why in a second. Now, Safeway does a really great thing. You know, their error message actually tells you, you know, that bobsmithfubar at yahoo.com wasn't found. So, you know, if you know a, a, a secondary kind of identifier, a customer ID, type that, or just try another email address. And it also gives you a way out, right? If you're still having problems, call us and we'll help you. So that's also really important. And finally, you know, meatthere.com, that was the address. Um, if anybody owns the, the uh, there.com domain, I apologize because I always use meatthere.com uh, when I fill out forms. Okay. Now, here's an example of um, what, what didn't work so well. This is the old uh, Yahoo registration page, and we had this section, right, after you've identified yourself, you could either answer this uh, question, what's your pet's name, uh, or you could click this button and have a new email, uh, a new password emailed to you. Well, the problem is we're, never, we're not telling you where this is going, right? We're just saying it's the password that we have in your account. And so if you change jobs or if you, you know, had a different uh, email address, you no longer have access to it, you're going to sit idly by and never get anything. So the, the way that we uh, solved this problem was we asked for the password. We went as far as saying, um, you know, in one of those little helper fields, the answer is xxxxxx at, and then, you know, what the domain was, to really make sure you knew where this was going. So think of life events, right? Since I graduated from college, and I'm pretty young, um, I've had 12 different postal codes, six different phone numbers, four employers, I've moved four times, I've had three cars, I've changed my favorite vacation spot twice, uh, I've had two different pets, changed the kind of food that I like once, and I've changed you know, my favorite movie once. So if you ask, you know, what is your favorite movie, or what is your pet's name, chances are that those things are going to change over time. And so we address that, you know, like in the postal code example and in the new uh, Yahoo account recovery form, by saying you may have moved uh, since you last updated the information, or you may have used something from work or from school or your parents' house. Um, and it's, again, you know, providing that context of we want to help you. This isn't just, you know, some blank form that you're going to have to sit in front of and figure out. We're not computers. Uh, so when you're doing forensic kind of uh, analysis to, to recover an account, you need to be flexible. You need to understand that, you know, you might say, uh, you might type out Elm ST period, but Elm Street spelled out is still a valid answer. You know, as humans, we can recognize patterns very quickly and we can, you know, understand what the gray areas are Computers are ones and zeros, true or false, yes or no. And so build some of this flexibility into your systems, but don't be overly flexible that anyone can just guess the answer. Alternate paths. Uh, eBay does a, I'm sorry, uh, PayPal rather, does a great job in allowing you upfront to choose, you know, are you going to recover this via phone number, address, or email? If you know one of those things hasn't changed, you know, that really helps you out, helps you narrow down the field. Uh, you could also take the tactic that uh, 
that we took in Yahoo where it's a much more of a wizard process and we're providing it with the easiest way possible, email recovery, and if you fail that, then we have backup mechanisms. We have like three or four of those. All right, we're almost done. Now, this is my presentation in one slide. So, uh, you know, users want to get in and get out quickly. Um, you know, they, they might be afraid for their privacy. Uh, they want to make sure that things that are important to them are going to stay important to them. Uh, when you create a registration system, make sure that you've established rapport, right? I would never walk up to, to one of you and just say name, address, zip code. I would probably introduce myself and you know, give you a reason why I'm asking, what is your name? Hi, my name is Lucas. Now, all of these things that we do as people, well, guess what? We're people using computers and we kind of expect some of this rep, uh, reciprocity. Use humor if possible. Again, you, know, you probably don't want people laughing too hard when they're managing their 401ks, uh, but if humor is appropriate, if humor is conducive to the way your brand uh, does things, take advantage of it. You know, make people feel like you know, they're, they're using your system, but you know, it's like a friend. You know, it, it's there, you know you can count on it. Uh, just how we you know, explained why we're asking for birthday or you know, what kind of postal code uh, you may need to enter to, to recover your account. Explain the purpose of things, right? Give people help. Um, you know, they, they won't really shy away from it. And that model of immersive registration that you know, I showed for, for genie.com, you can see that in other, in other places as well. And it's really great when you're trying to build a community. Right? Uh, so you know, take advantage of that. You know, try to distribute the load of profile creations across all of your users. If you're inviting someone to join and that invitation is, oh, well, tell me a little bit about them, you, know, you, you end up doing two things. Now you have some information that you can use to customize a message to that individual, but you also help that individual come on board because a bulk of the information is already filled out for them. So for account recovery, remember, put the user in the driver's seat, right? They need to make sure, they need to feel like they're not being fished and that they're not being part of an attack. Uh, they're going to appreciate it and it's probably gonna make them feel a lot safer. Again, remind them that, hey, you may have lied. We only know what you told us. And if possible, you know, use human support. Uh, a lot of companies just have this email route. That's fine. Uh, the, the thing to remember, though, is this is probably your most frustrated kind of user. So giving them a little extra help you know, is never a bad thing. So I'm open for questions. Uh, I'd be more than happy to address them now. Uh, if you guys are tired and just want to run out, I completely understand. Uh, So um, I'm going to hand off the microphone to the next person so everyone can hear. But um, the, um, the question was, uh, had a slide that showed uh, the different kinds of uh, registration. Uh, and uh, you know, I had communication and uh, the, um, the financial services as two places that required 
uh, unique identifiers and e-commerce not really needing it, and how do I correlate that with you know, a notion of a company like Yahoo that you know, does do e-commerce but also has a unique identifier. Right? So Yahoo does a lot of things, and one of the biggest things that Yahoo does is Yahoo Mail. And um, the bulk of our users uh, primarily use it for mail. So the, the ability to do e-commerce uh, and the ability to you know, use Yahoo Personals or, or Yahoo Music, uh, that's, that's an add-on, really. Uh, now, they're all very great you know, standalone products on their own, but the ability to bring that all into one, one brand and the ability to you know, put out one uh, experience uh, is something that you know, our users value. So um, you know, today, we're, we're a big a supporter of OpenID. A couple of months back, we had our, just like Microsoft has uh, Microsoft Live ID, we had our own system we called BB Auth. And um, you know, it also allowed third parties to use uh, Yahoo login and credentials for people to sign into their sites. So we're, we're very much aware that um, as the largest email provider uh, in the world, people, you know, most people have a Yahoo ID. And uh, by making it accessible to third parties, uh, I think we're, we're trying to solve that problem of you know, e-commerce companies not having to request a unique ID. There's a question back there. I'm not sure how to turn it off. I had um, an implementation question. God, that's loud. Um, at my company, we're in the process of redesigning our site and, of course, um, redesigning Reg as well. And um, so I guess this is also kind of a flow question. We have some UGC stuff on our site, and um, we didn't want to interrupt user flow, particularly with respect to the UGC, by bumping them out of posting a review or whatever it was they wanted to do by uh, throwing them on a full reg page uh, in the middle of that process. So we decided to primarily do registration in layers, but we've never seen that before. So I guess I'm, what I'm asking, and this can go out to anybody in the audience, is has anybody seen reg implemented purely in DHTML layers? And what are your thoughts on that? So while the mic comes this way, let me just say um, we've tried. Uh, and uh, at Yahoo, we have a group called the Paranoids. The Paranoids. And uh, it's literally uh, a bunch of security experts that you know, try to find out what are all the different ways that you know, people can come and, and compromise security on Yahoo. And uh, one of the mandates uh, that we have um, because trust me, I would like nothing more than inline registration or sign-in experience, is that the, um, the registration and the login process must happen in a very defined window. Uh, and it must, have, it must take place in the entire window. And the reason for that is you, know, you have different layers of security that browsers have built in. So uh, if, you, if you show uh, a window and it looks like a Yahoo registration page, but the URL doesn't go to Yahoo registration. Uh, some of the newer browsers actually flag that and show you, hey, this could be a phishing attempt. So you know, there's a need to balance um, security uh, with you know, that user experience of you know, having the, 
the inline registration process. I work for a large company that has its own reg process, but we're interested in figuring out how to integrate OpenID with our own process so that we can be open to people that want to come to us, either use our process because they trust us or use OpenID because it's convenient for them. But it seems kind of complex. It's jumping back and forth between our pages and, and going into Yahoo, seeing a Yahoo page and so on. Do you have any examples of companies that have really done a good job of integrating these two things together? I, I wish I did. Um, OpenID is pretty pretty new. Um, it's you know in, it's in internet time, right? It's already in version 2.0, um, and it's much better than than where it was in, in 1.0. Uh, in 1.0, uh, people's OpenID were, was actually a, a URL, so you're usually using a URL that you own, like your blog or um, or some other uh, URL like that. Uh, now you can actually have providers that you have the unique ID there, so. Uh, with Yahoo, you know, you have your Yahoo ID, and you say, you know, log in via uh, OpenID with Yahoo, and you fill in your Yahoo ID, and you know, it does the round trip and takes you back. Um, again, it's a lot of security issues that you know uh, the the OpenID Foundation wants you to be aware of what places you've granted permission uh, to to access your your account information, uh, and so it's it's that idea of you know the provider says, do you allow XYZ Corp uh, access to your profile? Um, and so that, that round trip, I think, is where a lot of the um, finessing can happen. Uh, and I think it, you know, some of the OpenID providers are starting to do a better job. Um, at Yahoo, I think our process is really down to one page. So you, know, you, come, you, you see our registration or our login page, fill in your login ID, and then it's a big yes or no button, right? allow or, or deny. And if you allow, it just takes you right back to, to, to what the return URL was. Um, I wish there was a, a better way. Um, I think we have time for one more question. Yeah, I was just going to ask about um, kind of innovative hacking techniques. Um, uh, because um, the best one I've heard recently was um, in order for someone to like access some porn on the site, um, you would have to... Um, type in what the uh, capture thing was, and um, then then you got access to the porn. And obviously, uh, the user intention is to be truthful uh, at that point. And then what they do is they reference that against what the other people have been doing, and then they use um, whatever that term is in on you know your 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 Yahoo page with a certain level of success. I, I'm just thinking with things like that when people are using the system in such a way like that, um, how good can Security be against that kind of thing. I mean, you're you're addressing you're, you're you're targeting one of the most primal needs that people have, right? So it's it's as good as people uh, want to, to have access to it, I suppose. Uh, so I'll be in the discussion hall if anybody has any follow up questions. But thank you very much.